coming up, Merrill Kelly meltdown, and what's wrong with the Milwaukee Brewers, discussing that with Sully Baseball next. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. Today's episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And lockdown listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use code LOCKEDON at checkout. Now, we're going to talk to Sully Baseball about the Brewers and their little tailspin that they're in and what happened between the Chicago Cubs and the New York Yankees. But before we get there... I want to discuss this D-backs for Cincinnati Reds game because the D-backs lose the first game of the series to the Reds 5-4. And the Reds have just kind of been a thorn in the side of the D-backs all season, which is kind of funny because last season, I think the D-backs swept the Reds in both of their series. I think they were like 7-0. I mean, didn't Madison Bumgarner have that fake no-hitter against the Cincinnati Reds? Like, the D-backs owned the Cincinnati Reds last year. Maybe I'm getting the team wrong that Bumgarner did that against. But I know the D-backs owned Cincinnati Reds because I talked a lot about it with Jeff Carr of Locked on Reds because the D-backs were the best team against the Reds last season. And so far, outside the Dodgers, the Reds are probably the best team against the D-backs this season because this is the second series that we're facing the Cincinnati Reds. And they're beating the D-backs once again because this felt like a game that the D-backs were in control early. Merrill Kelly looked great the first few innings. The D-backs score first, and then all of a sudden, the tides turn. The Cincinnati Reds come back, and they end up shocking the D-backs at home. So what exactly happened on Monday night? Well, Merrill Kelly started the game hot at one point between the second and fourth inning. He had five consecutive strikeouts. He struck out the side in the third inning, but after that third inning, that's when it starts to fall apart for Merrill Kelly because the fourth, fifth, and sixth inning, the Cincinnati Reds put runs on the board. And the tide turned kind of quickly in this one because it felt like he was cruising early. Those first three innings, Merrill Kelly looked great. And then the fourth inning, a run goes on the board. You're not too worried about it. It's only one run. And then that fifth inning, Brandon Drury hits that three-run bomb. And you're like, okay, the complexion of this game just changed. It was different when it was just one run in the fourth. But now you're giving up a three-run bomb in the, in the fifth inning inning and then you give up the lead in the sixth inning 
disappointing turn of events for Merrill Kelly, who you really thought was going to have a great start against the Cincinnati Reds because his most recent start came against the Reds on June 8th, where Merrill Kelly went six innings, only one hit, zero earned runs, a really good start back then against the Reds. And Merrill Kelly, over his last two starts, he was good against the Pirates in that start before the Reds, five innings, only two earned runs. So Merrill Kelly is coming off back-to-back really good starts. And so he thought he was going to keep the momentum going against the Reds once again. The D-backs kind of need to get some momentum going. Maybe after their series win, or not series win, but their series finale win against the Phillies where their offense exploded and their pitching looked great. You hope that momentum would carry over into this game. And it did look like for a little bit it was from a pitching standpoint Merrill Kelly before he fell apart. And from an offensive standpoint, it felt like it carried over a little bit as well because the D-backs were able to get runners in scoring position the first five innings of this game. They were able to capitalize in the third inning with that Walker two-run bomb, which I might add had an exit velocity of 110.9 miles per hour, but it was not the hardest hit ball of the night because the hardest hit ball of the night was the hit that set up that inning that Ketel Marte double rocket down the line. That was 112.5 miles an hour. So Christian Walker, he puts up uh, uh, that, that moonshot by Christian Walker. I mean, I wasn't quite sure if it was going to stay fair on first glance. That first angle I saw, I was like, that looks like a, fa- that looks like a foul ball. But I mean, when you see the replay, it was obviously fair, and he crushed it. What was that, second or third deck? So Christian Walker, two-run bomb that brings home Ketel Marte in the third. The D-back score again in the fourth. Perdomo comes through in the clutch. Carson Kelly gets on base as well. Luplo hits a little sacrifice fly there. So the D-backs go up 4-1 to one early, and it feels like you know, at this point in the game that the D-backs are completely in control with both Merrill Kelly and the offense, as we detailed, Merrill Kelly falls apart. Then the offense, I mean, they put up four runs, but it felt like they should have had more than that because they do have runners in scoring position the first five innings of this game and seven of the nine innings, they at least have men on the bases. And so four runs is nice, but not when you go two of eight with runners in scoring position, not when you leave so many men on the bases, they left eight men on the bases and when you look at the Reds they just felt the Cincinnati Reds just felt like they capitalized more on their opportunities three for six were runners in scoring position they were able to make the comeback the D-backs were not able to and I mean I don't like to make points that umpires win or lose games but the um the the, the balls and strikes were getting pretty bad at the end of this game I mean that Josh Rojas his final at bat I mean it felt like each strike was farther off the plate so I don't think it was any reason as to why the D-backs lost this game, but I, I don't. I, I'm ready for robo umps. I mean, I've seen enough D-backs games in the last couple of weeks with so many terrible balls and strikes. I mean, across the league, you have these Twitter accounts dedicated to calling out these umpires and. We've seen it. I, I mean, I've, I don't know if you've seen it, but I've seen some footage of the minor league games with the robo umps, and you don't even tell. You can't even tell that there's a robo ump because it's still the main umpire behind the plate calling the balls or strikes almost instantaneously. So I think the robo umps with the electronic strike zone is going to be great for Major League Baseball. But getting back to this game, D backs are not able to make the comeback late. They had a couple of, you know, opportunities with men on the bases, but they were not able to come back in this game like they've been able to do all season and to lose the first game of the series, uh, you know, against the Cincinnati Reds. Just not a good omen. The D-backs have been scuffling so much lately against mediocre or below mediocre teams. Most recently, the Cincinnati Reds, the Philadelphia Phillies, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, I know the Phillies are hot, but the Pirates and the Cincinnati Reds, those points still stand. So hopefully the D-backs, you know, can still 
still win this series. But I mean, the way that they've played the last couple weeks, it does not inspire too much confidence. So let's now hand out our three moons of the game. The three moons that we hand out after D-backs losses. We hand out the stars, three stars of the game after D-backs wins. But after losses, you have to give out moons. And so first moon of the game, I think, has to go to Merrill Kelly, who looked like he was on his way to a quality start, earning a star. But Merrill Kelly somehow falters in this one, raises his ERA to a 3.68, gives up five earned runs to the Cincinnati Reds, does have seven strikeouts, struck out five consecutive batters at one point, like I mentioned, but ends up faltering and does not end up having a good start and ends up being probably the main reason why the D-backs lose this game. The second moon I think I will give to Josh Rojas who had a tough night at the plate. 0 for 5 for Josh Rojas. The umpire didn't help him out too much either but we'll give the second moon of the game to Josh Rojas and then the final moon of the game. This one is a little bit tougher too because I don't think anyone had terrible games but I'll probably give it to Dalton Varsho who had a couple opportunities with runners in scoring position and not able to come through. One for four on the night. So those are the three moons of the game. Josh Rojas, Dalton Varsho, who I felt like could have done a little bit more offensively. And also Merrill Kelly for basically pitching well to start the game and then faltering those last few innings. Now, hopefully the D-backs can fix whatever bad juju they have. And another team with some bad juju in a tailspin right now is the Milwaukee Brewers. So what can they do to fix their issues? Well, if you have any issues like pertaining to your car you need to fix those problems you need to head to rockauto.com because this episode is brought to you by rock auto with the ever increasing number of makes and models it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need wind or often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry save time and money when using rock auto why choose to spend 30 percent 50 percent even 100 percent more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership rock auto is a family business serving do yourself for over 20 years go explore their easy to use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know we send you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need visit rockauto.com the ultimate NBA mock draft starts June 16th with over 50 insiders. Nothing equals the ultimate NBA mock draft. The locked on NBA big board draft experts plus the Odyssey insiders. First pick is June 16th. Search ultimate NBA mock draft and follow now so you don't miss a pick. get back into the pod we we talked briefly about how i did an episode of lockdown mlb with stephen offenbaker of lockdown reds where i was basically saying nobody in the central wants to win the central they're all playing so horribly there was at one point all five teams in the central were in a multi-game losing streak i didn't think that was possible and the only reason that stopped was because the Cardinals played the Reds. And technically, one of those teams have to win. But as we've seen, the Brewers, and I'm actually uh, a little little preview for tomorrow's show, uh, Dominic uh, Coach, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> Coach All right. Cacharino. Okay. Cacharino. Cacharino. 
I'll, I'll find out for sure, uh, is going to be joining the show. We're going to be talking about the Brewers, who went on a startling nosedive. They, they wound up winning on Sunday, but they, they lost. They went on a huge slump where they went from first place by themselves in the NL Central to out of a wildcard spot, completely off the playoff map together with three wildcard teams. Now, as it stands right now, they're kind of playing a little bit of the hokey pokey with uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. But it's really clear to me that really, realistically, you're not going to get many contenders out of the Central. And you could have three contenders out of the East and three contenders out of the West, which could mean you could have a really good team not making the playoffs. Kind of like last year, you had the Blue Jays and the Mariners falling short, which I think is going to be good for baseball because even with the expanded playoffs, you're going to have some teams fighting for their lives down the stretch. And I, and I think that's, that's really good. It would be even better if you also had two or three teams in the central trying to go for it. But uh, I digress a little bit, but uh, what do you think about this, uh, this disaster central that we're in right now? Yeah, the central is disgusting. I mean, the bottom of the central with the Reds and the Cubs and the Pirates. I mean, the Pirates have actually been kind of decent this year, quietly. But I don't think those three teams really want to win. Hopefully, the D-backs are one of those teams fighting at the end of the season, like you're talking about, for a wild card spot. But the Brewers, I mean, we know their makeup kind of entering the season was this is a team that had to win by pitching because their offense kind of had a ceiling on it. And we've seen that over the last two weeks. If you do their splits by the last 15 days, like the best offensive position on the Brewers right now over the last 15 days is their catcher position. Omar Navarro and Victor Caratini yeah. have been their two best offensive players of the last two weeks. You look at Christian Yelch's numbers, Luis Urias's numbers, like everyone on that team's offensive numbers have pretty much taken a nosedive. And from a pitching standpoint, which was supposed to be the strength of this team, I mean, Corbin Burns is still a monster, but Brandon Woodruff just got diagnosed with some pretty weird syndrome the last couple of days. I, I haven't even looked too much into it. Freddie Peralta is expected to miss a big chunk of the season. So we know the Brewers team is built on that frontline rotation because they got three guys that could be legitimate number one starters on pretty much any rotation in baseball. And now the Brewers are missing two, uh, two out of the three of those guys. Plus their offense is hitting that wall like we might have feared entering the season. So this Brewers team is in a little bit of a tailspin right now. And I think they kind of have to make some moves at the deadline and probably have to get some bats in that lineup. I think the rotation will be fine if they get Freddie Peralta back from injury. Uh, hopefully Woodruff is okay, but I think really that lineup is where you really have to make some moves because I don't know what's happened to Christian Yelich over the last couple of years, but he does not look like that MVP guy we saw the first two years in Milwaukee. No, no. Um, let's just bring up another one of the teams that look at, um, I brought this up on the show the other day that I did on that. I posted at the end of the week last week. Uh, the Reds were a playoff team, were, were tied for a playoff spot in mid-September last year. When you And they actually were in a playoff spot. Yeah, they were tied for one of the wildcard spots in mid-September. When you wake up in mid-September and your team is still a playoff team, you're thinking, hey, this is we've, we've had a shot. It's only a couple of weeks left. We played well for a couple of weeks. We could be playing. Cardinals went on that great run. Reds fell short. The Cubs were in first place beyond the one-third mark of the season last year at one point. In late June, there or mid to late June, they were or later than we are now. The Cubs were in first place in the Central. And now those two teams are embarrassing, just completely shells of themselves. And the embarrassment hit a new level 
in the game at Yankee Stadium today. Now, the Yankees are the best team in baseball, and they are – I mean, they just are. And yeah, they are. Every team – everything that – like, they were a 90-something win team last year, but they were flawed. And every little thing that was bring, pulling the Yankees down a little bit last year is going their way. The, the little balls and bloops that would be caught last year are dropping in. They would win the first two games of the series but lose the final game and not go for the sweep. This team's going for the sweep. I mean, it does, I, I'm not happy to say this, but the Yankees are playing great baseball. Sully will get into a great rant about David Ross and his affliction toward the New York Yankees. But if you need a little jewelry for your girl because you want to pop that big question, well, you need to head to BlueNile.com because whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Now has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Now's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind. Looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing? Blue Now has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help. You find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Lockdown listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. All right, all right, all right. Let's wrap up the pod. And today, they spanked the Cubs in an old-fashioned butt-whipping. And David Ross, the manager of the Cubs, put in uh, Frank Schwindel, a position player, normally a first baseman, to throw the final inning, which is something you see from time to time. Now, when a, a manager puts in a position player to pitch, why are they doing that? They're doing that because they think the game is over and they don't want to blow out any pitcher's arms or anything like that, right? That's 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 the universal sign of this game's done. The white and, flag, basically. And Swindell came in and, you know, the Yankees took a lead, but they, they scored five runs in the seventh. And then they brought in a they, they brought in Swindell and Higashioka, who is the catcher for the Yankees, who's in a horrible season-long slump but who had homered earlier that day faced a position player and homered off the position player. Okay, there you go. Um, Ross started going on one of those tangents about like, oh, you know, I thought Rizzo was a classy guy. I guess he changed going to, to because, you know, the Yankees are trying to run up the score. And, you know, we and he was saying that, you know, they're trying to beat up and humiliate a bunch of guys who are just trying to put food on the table and feed their families. Stop it. Stop it. First of all, these aren't coal miners in West Virginia. I'm always on the player's side when it comes to salaries and everything like that. But there isn't one single major leaguer going, oh, my God, how am I going to feed my family? It's so but, silly. But also, it, are you saying the Yankees should stop swinging the bat? 
if you should, what, at what point, how many times do you see teams come back from big deficits? We've seen a bunch of that. Ask the Phillies, ask Joe Girardi as he's looking up his, 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 uh, his pink slip. Ask Joe Madden when he got, when they let up all those runs to Philadelphia the next week. You know, guess what? Teams can come back. You can't drop to a knee and run out the clock in baseball. And if you're putting in a position player, you're saying we give up. And so guess what? If Agashiosa says, hey, look, maybe I can raise my average to the 170s by taking a swing at this pumpkin that's being thrown down the heart of the plate, guess who you blame? Yourself. You don't want to get blown out? Stop letting them score runs. How about that? That's a written rule. And I'm I'm sick of these of this stupid argument of well you got to show class and don't run up the score run if it's the score is twenty three to nothing and you got a you got a runner on third squeeze him in steal keep yeah. going I don't think offenses are just like oh they're putting the position player on the mound they're trying to disrespect us let's go up there and score eight runs now to really rub in like. They, these offices aren't thinking that. Like most of the time, they're like, "All right, we know their white flag is coming out. Like, the, let's just go up there and get some BP. Like, it's BP time, guys. Yeah. Like, let's just go up there and have fun. Like, if the guy strikes us out, they strike us out. And if we're able to smash a home run, like, let's treat it like softball or a little league game. And it's kind of fun sometimes when you see those position players go up there and they throw the efficient pitch that's like fifty miles an hour, and it just comes with a big curve, and someone strikes out on it. Like, it's a fun time. And most of the time, like, it, it shouldn't matter that part of the ball game because it's garbage time anyway. And I think we should. Could probably enact a mercy rule or we kind of talking about this off air but like if you're up 10 to 15 runs after eight innings like maybe we should just end the ball game like i know people hate the extra runner on second rule i know you hated the ghost runner rule but at least it's something different and it's ending games quicker like i'm okay if it's a big blowout like we saw today with the d-backs and phillies where the d-backs are up 12 plus runs after eight innings like let's just end the ball game so you don't have to see position players in because guess what if you're not showing it, Tani, you probably should be a position player pitching anyway. And we shouldn't even get to that part of the ball game where we have these guys who are unqualified to even be on the mound anyway. Like, why are we even watching that as a sport um, regardless? So let's just get a mercy rule going so you don't ever have to see a position player on the mound. That's not named Shohei Otani. Yeah, and, and you sort of you throw it out there. Like, the, the you know, the the manager that basically doesn't want to bring in a position player can come up to the ump to say, hey, we're offering we're offering a chance to wave the white flag and the ump comes to the other manager and the other manager has to agree to it because you know, there may be a situation like you know like when Miguel Cabrera has been chasing all these um milestones in his career or a Pujols a couple of years ago or Pujols now for that matter yeah and you could say hey well wait a minute Pujols is coming up he's a chance for a 700th home run you know that's what the fans are here to see that you know so they could say uh, after Pujols is at bat, you know, or, mm-hmm. or like after that inning. But, uh, you know, if you're – we're saying all these things to protect the pitchers, protect the pitchers, this and that. If you have someone who's not a pitcher pitching – we saw it happen with Jose Canseco when he pitched an inning out of the – you know, uh, in the 90s when he played for Texas, and he hurt his elbow and missed the rest of the season. I mean, if people are always so worried about pitchers batting and being on the base path with no DH – well, let's go conversely. If you have these these position players coming in, yeah, it's kind of funny when they're facing off. But if the idea is you're not supposed to swing at this pitch, well, F you. You know, I'm sorry. 
I'm gonna, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to add extra strikeout stats when I'm going to my negotiations or arbitration. We see how these players get screwed over in arbitration. Do you want me to just go up there and just take in that bat and just take a strikeout just so you can say about these unwritten rules? Like it makes no sense because I know that's going to be thrown back at me in my arbitration hearing in three oh, months. Oh man, that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. After this series, we should have Jeff Carr of Lockdown Reds on the pod, so hopefully the D backs can win. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces!